Foodie. From the Not A Foodie studio in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn, on Radio Rampa, 620 AM, it's the Not A Foodie Show. I am your host, Tom Mialli, and with me as always... It's Mike Moranti. Mike Moranti, my co-host, who, with whom I would not be able to do this show. <laughs> Mike, it's Saturday! Yeah, it is. And we've got a tremendous show. We've got like a really crazy, like good show for you today. If you like wine or beer or um, being drunk, being drunk or, you know, any of that stuff. We've got Sam Doyle is going to be on the show. He is a wine buyer at Wine Library, one of the largest wine retailers in the tri-state area. And uh, he we've got a lot of segments that we want to do with him. So I think, Mike, if you're OK with skipping the news segment today. And just getting right into a whole bunch of different things. Is yeah, that cool? no, that, that's fine with me. I, I've known Sam for a long time, and I, I'm very excited to, to do this with him. Cool, cool. So let's, uh, let's talk about, instead of going through news and then a whole bunch of different segments, I want to ask you, because I know that you cooked some stuff recently. Oh, yeah, I chefed it up. You chefed it yeah. up? I want to know what you cooked. What did we, you cook we like did this week? sesame and red pepper crusted tuna steaks mm-hmm. with a... Uh, Soy ginger, what, what? Soy ginger glazed heirloom baby carrots. Okay. Over a bed of arugula. Hmm. All right. So that's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So there's okay. a lot to say. So tuna steaks. Yeah. So how did you do the tuna? So did you sear the tuna steaks? Yeah, that's it. Just the, just sear just them sear and there. then roll them in. So first, you I just took a bowl of sesame. You buy one thing of sesame seeds, and it's good. Life, unless you do what I do and make tahini out of the sesame seeds. Yeah, but yeah. regular people. So <laughs> I, um, I just took sesame seeds and red pepper flakes uh-huh. in a bowl, and I just moved the side, the edge of the tuna just the edge over. Yep, yes, for, for a crust. Just do never. Just I'm gonna have to say this: never ever sear sesame seeds. It is the most oh. disgusting smell in the world. They'll burn. That's yeah, it. it's not. So if you're gonna like, what you did was you rolled the edges. Yep. in. The part that's not actually going to touch the, the mm-hmm. heat. So, okay. Um, then I just dropped some garlic and olive oil in the pan. Just one side. What kind of a pan? Uh, nonstick. Oh, boo. Okay, go ahead. Flipped it over. Uh-huh. Pulled it off. It, it's like cooking just a steak. Like, you want it rare. You do and want it rare. While I'm co- I had uh, lime cut in half, and I just drizzled lime over it while it was cooking and salt and peppered it before I threw it on. and. Nice. And then the carrots, what did you do with the carrots? Carrots, I first I uh, boiled them to get them a little cooked. Did you boil them in chicken stock? No. Yeah, just I didn't think so. Just boiled them. Um, <laughs> in water? Yeah. Just plain water? New then York just, City water? Uh, soy sauce, butter, grated ginger, melted, uh, reduced it down with the carrots, which is really, really delicious. And nice. a little, uh, I did the lime on the... Tuna and I did the lemon on the carrots. On the carrots, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I did carrots similarly uh, this week. I did little baby. Oh no, they weren't baby carrots. They were from uh, the farm. Winter carrots. Winter carrots are awesome, by the way. Winter carrots are like really sweet. 
because they just I'm, yeah they're I'm so very good. big on carrots. I I am too. I am too. They're sometimes they're too sweet for me. Um, like I don't I don't like them as my sole vegetable. Like I like to have other like you had arugula with yours. Yeah, which is good. But um, what what I did with the carrots this week is I actually boiled them for five or six minutes in chicken stock. So I put them in a in a pan. Actually, before I even did that, I did garlic and um, butter and olive oil in a pan. Butter and olive oil. Butter and olive oil. Butter for the taste. Olive oil just to sort of get uh, get things moving. A little extra fat in there. And I sautéed some garlic really, really, really slow and low to get the flavor of the garlic into the butter and the oil. And then I threw a bunch of carrots in the pan. And then threw like a cup of chicken stock in the pan, turned the heat up all the way, covered them for four or five minutes to soften, and then took the top off and kept the heat going. So what developed was a sort of thick sauce, almost like a glaze on the carrot. So they were garlic and butter glazed carrots. Yeah, the, the thing with cooking carrots is you don't want it, you don't want them soft. No, they can't you, be mushy. They can't be raw and crunchy too there's like a like almost like an al dente yeah. is what you're going for with yes. the carrot no I, 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 I only bought the baby carrots because I wanted the heirloom carrots for the color and the place I went to only had like regular orange carrots so I went with that okay cool I um I cooked something else this week and I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail about it um except that I cooked another beef wellington what uh, I cooked another beef wellington last week you have a problem I no well you know me. I cook something, and then if I find that there was one minuscule thing wrong with it, I have to cook it again and see if I can get a better result. And um, I will say I got a better result. What did you change? I did not sous vide the meat. Oh. Yes. I um, Instead, I seared the steak. I coated it. Um, I put it in the fridge for a while to get it almost to get it partially frozen again. And then wrapped it up in the puff pastry, threw it in the oven at a really high temperature, only for like 20, 25 minutes. And then, boom, it was like perfect. Um, I am I am not done with my Beef Wellington experiments. I will do another permutation of this at another point. You should just start a Beef Wellington Instagram. <laughs> I should. Just, just Wellygram. That's it. Do it. <laughs> well, I... We spent too much time talking about this, so we're, we should take a quick commercial break. We are going to come back. We're going to talk about um, – what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about corned corn beef, right? St. Patrick's Day St. Patrick's Day is coming up. It's a few weeks away, but you need to start corning your beef now. <laughs> so we've got a great show. So corned beef, and then we're going to talk to Sam about wine and beer and everything like that. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. At, at not, not a foodie, foodie show. Oh, at, at no. No, yeah. At, at not a foodie show. <laughs> at not a foodie show on Instagram, at not a foodie show on Twitter, info at notafoodie.com. Sign up for our mailing list. Get a sweet sticker. If you get a sticker, if you sign up for a mailing list, we'll send you a sticker and Mike will send you his recipe for carrots. <laughs> yes. Go to notafoodie.com to sign up for that. We will be back in a minute. You're listening to the Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rampa 620 AM. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? 
The Not A Foodie radio show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rapa 620 AM. Mike is laughing at the way I bring you, us back no, from commercial. you had a yawn that you conquered. I did. That was not a yawn. It looked like it was about to go and you conquered no, it. So I'm laughing. No, I was just smiling. being, and we are back. I was just being cute, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, Mike, it's um, it's March. It's mid-March. My it's, birthday is in two days. Is it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, Happy pre-birthday. Didn't we just talk about this word? Yeah. Happy pre-birthday. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about one of the things that I do at the beginning of March, which is I get ready to make corned beef. You make your own corned beef? I do. I make my own corned beef. And it is more, um, more flavorful, better for you, and just a thousand times better than anything that you're going to buy from the store. So What if- about the bar? At the, especially better than anything you're going to get at the bar. When I was uh, when I first started working, I worked in uh, an area of Midtown that had a lot of post production facilities, so like a lot of editing facilities mm-hmm. and things like that. And they used to have a so editors would work all night long, and they would have breakfast specials at the bars that were just trays of like corned beef and beer, and. It was, you know, it was like the 90s. It wasn't like, I feel like it's like, you know, it's 1849 in New York and men are getting off their shift to go get it. It was like the late 1990s. You could do that now as like a like a joke on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, like the way that that pizza place was doing like the Firefest pizza. <laughs> you could just run like a, a man breakfast yes. special. <laughs> So I, but I wanted to talk about it because St. Patrick's Day is coming up. I am like, I don't know, like an eighth Irish, I guess. I, my wife is half Irish. It's more than me. So we do have St. Patrick's Day in our house. We celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Don't tell anybody, but I like St. Joseph's Day better, which is two days later because I get to eat pastries, Italian holiday. Um, but on St. Patrick's Day, we have corned beef and cabbage. And I guess, oh, I don't know. I probably... Ten years ago, I was curious about corned beef, and I looked it up. I looked up, like, the history of corned beef, and I looked up how to make corned beef. So if you'll indulge me, I'd like to spend the next segments talking about corned beef. Yeah, I, I like corned beef, too. I yeah. actually, yeah, and I actually really like the cabbage from corned beef and cabbage. Like, the boiled cabbage, I'm very Boiled in, on. like, the spices and yeah, pickled spices and like stuff. Yeah, just like the way, like, the, it falls apart when you eat it. So, very, very big on the cabbage. I actually don't boil it that way. So what I usually do is I not. braise it in, um, I take bacon, and with the corned beef that I make, I, I render out bacon fat. I cut the corned beef, in, or I cut the cabbage into quarters, and then I sear the corn, the cabbage, sorry, in, um, in the bacon grease, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll use beer. Usually, like, I'll take a Guinness, and I'll put it in there, and I'll braise the, the cabbage in that, and then serve it alongside the But it still gets beef. super soft. It like, does get yeah. super soft, but I don't use, like, I don't braise it in the pickling liquid mm. that sometimes people do when they I, have corned beef I cabbage. mainly like the, the texture of it a lot. Did you know, I mean, I, most people know this, but corned beef is not something that you eat in Ireland. 
No. Like, it's it's typically an Irish American thing, and the urban myth around the whole thing is that uh, the new the Irish came when they left Ireland in the 1840s after the Great Potato Famine. They came to New York and they realized that um, they they all lived on the Lower East Side where I've seen gangs there was a big Jewish population, and they saw the Jews eating corned beef and brisket and pastrami and things like that because pastrami is basically just smoked corned beef, and they adopted that. That is a little bit of an urban myth, but it also there is a little bit of truth to it. Really, corned beef came from corned beef came from the old land. It was just not very popular. Uh, the one of the what, reasons. What we, part of the cow is corned beef? Corned beef is a brisket. Okay, it is a brisket. So it's you know it's a tough piece of meat, but it's you know it, it's beef, which beef was expensive. Beef was very expensive back then. Um, pig was the big animal that everybody ate in Ireland. I if mean, you can pork afford, is still cheaper than yeah. Beef. Now it is, but well now, but back then, pig was a big thing. They started cultivating cattle there, and there was beef, but beef became very expensive, mm-hmm. right? So to eat corned beef in Ireland, it was almost like it was a status symbol. It was, you know, it wasn't very popular. It wasn't very wide, widespread, but it was a status symbol. People had beef, and it wasn't looked down on sort of as it is now as this once a year Kind of thing. Oh, I wish I could get going get corned beef and cabbage like throughout the. I wish. We were Do just you? Some, yeah, I mean, it's not like I would have it twelve times a year or anything, but like, well, people took pride in it like back then. I mean, it, and people, I guess, still do take pride. I take pride in my corned beef and cabbage. No, but like, if it was, if there was like a good Irish pub that like had it on the menu, you could just go yeah. to Katz's and get a corned beef sandwich. Yeah, no, but I'm talking about the corned beef and cabbage. Oh, you want the? Cabbage. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the the platter. The platter. Yeah. Okay. So, the. People took pride in it, and it was they would go and find like the best salts to cure the meat and to brine the meat and and everything like that. And it became like this dish that was a status symbol. And then the potato famine hit, and you know th- millions and millions of of Irish people came over to the United States. They came to New York, and they worked hard and they started making money. And because they started making money, they were they started buying corned beef. They started, you know, they found corned beef. They to found flex places to wait. Yeah, basically to flex on folks back in the old country. Like, look, you know, we we came here, we made it, we've got, um, you know, we got some cash. We got We're gonna have some beef. corned beef. Yeah. So were it, they taking photos of it and putting it on Instagram? It was. They and, were putting it. What and is, what's, hashtagging it. What's eighteen forty seven Instagram? I don't know. Uh, that's when you would write in letters to people, and someone else would go deliver them that day. Yeah, <laughs> but for, how do you get that to Ireland? Oh, you don't. You don't. You can't do it. It was. It's when you would write letters, and the person reading the letter would sort of have to wonder if you were still alive by the point that they were reading the letter because you wrote it so long ago. Especially if, was there, did you take photos of corned beef or do you draw a picture of it? Or do you have like Jack from Titanic draw it while you're yeah, you use your in Polaroid. the nude? Yeah, Just... I don't know. <laughs> so that's, that's corned beef. That's like the history of corned beef. But the reason that we're talking about corned beef and it is what, like it's nine, eight or nine days before St. Patrick's Day right now is because if you're going to make your own corned beef, you have to start now. So I am I'm definitely a big fan of making my own corned beef. I we do it every year. It's so much better, so much more flavorful. It is 
the simplest thing to make. So basically, you get a brisket. Just get a giant old brisket. You go out and you buy some pickling spices. You can even find, like, corned beef spices. If you look in the spice aisle, oh, wow. you can find, like, you know, these, this is ready what corned beef spice is, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And you mix salt and water. You make a brine. What does a brine do, do you know? Breaks down the fat. Breaks down the fat, tenderizes the meat. That's my answer to everything, by the also way. Also imparts flavor. Whenever <laughs> someone's like, what does this marinade do? I'm like, breaks down the fat. Breaks down the fat. It does, always, it, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It always does. <laughs> it depends how long you leave it in. But it tenderizes it, and it breaks down the, the, the protein. Not just the fat, the proteins, too. Tenderizes the proteins. So you've got your brine, you've got your pickling spices. You take your pickling spices and your brine, you take your brisket and put it in, and the brine sort of hydrates the meat. The brine, the saltiness penetrates the meat, and what it does is it takes all the flavor molecules and pushes it inside the meat when it takes it in there. So now you've got this like salty, seasoned piece of meat. After 10 days in your fridge, you've got this awesome brisket. That's just ready to go. And then you just braise it? or So what I do, when I'm making my own corned beef, um, it's usually a little bit saltier. So what I'll do is I'll let it soak in water, in, just in cold water, for like maybe an hour or two and let some of the salt dissipate out of it. Then I'll take it. I don't braise it. What I do is I slow roast it. I, I'll dry the meat off and I'll put like a rub on it. And it is completely non-traditional. You should do it with your um, everything seasoning this year. That would be awesome. That would be good. I, I have... don't know if everything seasoning would roast, though, because it's got things that'll burn. But I would make, I would definitely do some sort of a rub on that. Yeah. Like I've done, like, peppercorn rubs and pastrami ideas, rubs. You do, but they need tweaking. <laughs> no, that that's a great idea. But you know so what I would do? It makes in, a very New York dish. Instead of... Um, Instead of roasting it with everything spice, I would just coat it with everything spice at the very end and slice it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's like, um, you know, like we talked about your, uh, yeah. your tuna steak you can't, yeah, a while back. Like you don't want to. A while back. Ten minutes yeah, ago we talked. I know. A while back. But you don't want to You don't want to sear. You don't want to burn anything yeah. like sesame seeds or anything like that. But um, So that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. So I, I roast the corned beef. I do it sort of like low and slow. Let it. I I treat it like a Texas brisket. I treat it like you know barbecue brisket, um, and then that's that. I mean, you've got this great piece of meat, and then for sides, I do, I do the corned beef, and I do. Let's see, what do I do with the corned beef? Just, I mean, I'm sorry, the cabbage. I I talked about the cabbage, and then mean. I roast potatoes. Yeah, nice. So I don't do mashed potatoes or anything you like do that. Do dessert. No, on St. Patrick's Day, I, I give my kids a sip of beer, and then that's it. I'm sorry. Nice. Don't call Child Protective Services on me. That's it. Green cupcakes, I guess. Green ice cream. You know, whatever it is. Perfect. We got to go to commercial. Okay. So check us out on Instagram at not a the foodie. Not a Foodie Show. Not the. It's just I said at Not a Foodie, not a foodie show. show. At Not a Foodie Show yeah. on Instagram and, and Twitter. Twitter. All right. See you soon. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, 
The staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa, live from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. We've got we've got a guest in the studio today. A very good friend. Yeah, we've been we've been like talking you up, Sam. <laughs> but so Mike, why don't you uh give the official intro? So today joining us in the studio is Mr. Sam Doyle, wine buyer, craft beer expert, all around awesome guy, uh at the wine library. You're the you're the head of beer? Yeah, so I run uh the beer program. Uh, nearly 100%. I have some guys that obviously work on it, but I make sure you know we have the selections about close to about 450 different craft beers in stock. No big right deal. Now. No yeah. big deal. A <laughs> couple. Uh, along with wine, too. Uh, wine buyer, uh, run the store. Uh, when it comes to making sure that we have representation of all wine from around the world, I think we're holding about 10,000 different selections uh, sold pretty much nationwide. So you have like 15. 15- Hundred SKUs or sorry, ten ten thousand five hundred SKUs. SKUs, yeah. yeah I mean, case-wise, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we have a ton, and, that, and we have liquor too. I mean, we have everything. I feel like if you don't know Wine Library in, in New York, um, it's one of my favorite places. Sam, why don't you give a, sort of a description of? So it's in New Jersey. It's in New Jersey. Uh, we we uh, are an online retailer as well. Uh, but you know, a lot of people in New York City uh, know Wine Library from our ability to bring wine the city at a retail level cool cool yeah and, and it's i remember and we were just talking about this off mic before um it's a it was sort of a revelation to us when wine library was finally able to start shipping to uh new york mm-hmm. my wife and i like would go crazy at wine library every time we had to go visit friends in new jersey sure had, anytime we had to go to new jersey yeah. because you know as a new yorker we don't like crossing rivers yeah i know i hear that a lot. <laughs> you're, you're also managing their social media uh, not necessarily managing it, but I am uh, doing a lot of the Instagram lives, doing uh, a lot of, uh, you know, interactions. Um, you know, nowadays with social media, I feel like celebrities and other things, it's the the uh, connection that you make with the people following you are the reason why uh, you keep the relations that you do. So I do a lot of Instagram lives, walk around the store, answer people's questions, uh, show them things that they're looking for, uh, and just keep them up to date on all the stuff that we're doing at the wine library. What's nice. your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is uh, Samoman, S-A-M-M-O-M-A-N. It's also my Twitter handle as well. Um, but Wine Library's Instagram is where I'm doing most of that work. Nice. At Wine Library? Yep, at Wine Library. Cool. Yep. That's great. So what have you seen? Um, I mean, I, I think buying wine has changed tremendously over the years. Like buying wine is absolutely is is a completely different experience post internet and mm-hmm. post being able to ship wine, you know, all over the place. Sure. How do what do you see as uh, <clears throat> how it's changed over the years? You know, we talked a little bit about you know just how different generations view wine and everything sure. like that. Um, I find that you know we always talk about wine trends and things of that nature. You know, when I worked in restaurants, it was all about balance, and then you know you have your Napa cab drinkers and the collectors and the things of the world. 
Um, but I do think it's uh, pretty generational. I think in the older generations, people tend to drink what they've been drinking forever. Now, maybe a selection in that. But, uh, you know, when it comes to what they've been drinking their whole lives, they don't really go away from it. I think in the younger generations, it's about experience and a ton of different things uh, in the world. And it's easier to get someone to try 20 different wines, 30 different wines over a short period of time. Uh and, you know, they're willing to find that they like Pinot Noirs, Cabernets, Syrahs, things from all over the yeah. place instead of being locked into one. Style. I mean, I find myself as I, I guess I'm an older generation. I'm older generation. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm in my mid 40s. right? <laughs> so I like I have I have my wine that we buy at home. Like mm-hmm. that's my home drinking wine. And for, for me, it's all about value. I find sure. like the of course. best $6 bottle of wine yeah. that I can sure, sure. and I buy a case of it, and, yeah, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. And then but when we go out, I mean, I don't. We we look at a menu, but ninety nine percent of the time we just call someone over yeah, yeah. Um, to pick something out for us. And when we go to um, to a store to buy wine, we do the same thing. Like mm-hmm. if there's a you know a wine specialist or you know we go to the liquor store, we'll talk to a wine specialist there and we'll mm-hmm. say we want something interesting. How do you how does how does that translate to online buying? How do you do that? So online, it's it's a little bit different. It's like how do you you have to do multiple things. One. Uh, the world's not going to trust you necessarily unless you're super famous, someone like Robert Parker or something. So you have to do a balance of both. Uh, you have to be able to give them a value on a wine, uh, find a legitimacy of the wine, maybe a rating from wine spectator, wine enthusiast, things of that nature that yeah. get them intrigued to start the conversation. Um, and then to get them to pull the trigger, maybe have a you know call them, reach out to them, uh, have that conversation about the wine and why it's special, why it's different than anywhere else, who makes the wine, where where is the vineyard located, uh, things of that nature that you know matter to collectors and people that actually care about what what the wine is. Well, when you go out to dinner, the Somali is selling you on so much more than just like, oh, this is a Chardonnay from Napa. It's mm. this is a Chardonnay from Napa that Tom makes, and his daughter and his dog are out with him every day mm. picking the grapes. And yeah. there's you know they also like make cheese on the vineyard. And <laughs> so when you're when I feel like that same thing translates really well to the retail aspect, but I don't know about online if it's... Sure, I think it translates well. Uh, I agree. I think that whole mom and pop kind of feel to it. The, the other thing is in the collectible world, the people that want to actually collect wine, there's names that matter. Thomas mm-hmm. Rivers Brown, Philip Melka. Uh, you have these guys out in Napa Valley that are big names in America that people want to get their hands off. People don't know that, yes, Thomas Rivers Brown makes you know wine where Paul Hobbs makes wine, but they don't know that they make probably 100 different SKUs of wine. So finding that great value, um, for instance, like I talk about Swagger Cab all the time, is $53, it's $20 less than you're going to pay for Camus. Blows out of the water because it's made by Thomas Rivers Brown, who's maybe the most sought-after winemaker in Napa Valley. And we can get Swagger Cab at the Absolutely. wine library? Always. It's always. I make sure it's there all the time. <laughs> when it's available. I mean, they don't make a ton of it, but when it's available, I buy it constantly. Nice. Nice. So do you um, do you see yourself as uh, where do you see yourself at, uh, in sort of this wine world? Like you're not, you know, crazy snooty psalm guy like you're never. But and you don't want to be right. Like, <laughs> no chance. Yeah. One time a year. One time a year at a charity event, I'll wear a suit. That's about it. <laughs> I, I think so. I met Sam in 2014, right after I finished college. Uh-huh. Um, I was an intern at Cork Buzz where he was working. You're so young. And what back then that was so that's half a decade ago and even more now, uh, wine well, I, has. I, gotten, let me revise that. I'm so old now that that's half <laughs> yeah. a decade ago. Yeah. Well, wine, we're in. I'm between. I'm 31. So. <laughs> wine has gotten significantly less snooty. Yes. And more cool, and beer 
maybe has gotten snootier. 100%. The, the word yeah. Cicerone is like really like. Yeah. And the, some what, people the say it's, what? It's, it's a beer sommelier. Yeah, what is it? It's, Cicerone. Yeah. I've never heard that. It's basically yeah. just the same thing as, you know, taking your quartermaster psalms and, uh, mm-hmm. in the beer world. And it's just as difficult. There's yeah, not it's many really master hard. Cicerones. There, wow. Significantly less, I think, because it's a newer. It's thing newer. Too. Newer. I think it's. They came out guns of blazing. They made it really hard. <laughs> they wanted and, uh, to. They replicate wanted to make the sure. Then not only replicate it, but make sure that they didn't create uh, an exam that people can go out and pass right away. And uh, I think there's a lot of noise that comes with that. Well, I I'd love to hear your opinion as someone who. Um, Someone who knows wine, someone who mm-hmm. appreciates wine, someone who is not snooty about wine. I want to hear some, uh, some wine trends, some things, some you know maybe some secret wines, some value wines. I think sure. um, if you could stick around for the next couple of segments, yeah, that'd be great. Um, we got to take a commercial We're just not break right let you now. Leave, so. Yeah, you're not That's leaving. Fine. You know he brought wine, so That's we can't fine. let him and leave. beer and, and beer. beer. <laughs> yeah, <perfect. laughs> great. So uh, you're listening to the Not a Foodie Show at 6:20 a.m. Radio Rampa. We will be back with Sam Doyle in a minute. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. And we're back. Thanks for listening to the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 6.20 a.m. It's Mike Moranti. Hey, and Tom Miali. And once again, we're joined with the incredible Sam Doyle. Hey, Sam. So, Sam, wine buyer at the Wine Library. Uh, We want to talk about wine trends of 2019. We had a bartender on. We talked about bar trends. Tom and I have talked about food trends. Um, As best we could. (laughs) I have a... A friend who's getting married, and they're doing a total DIY venue, so they have to bring their own wine. Sure. And their whole thing was, we want organic, natural, biodynamic wine. Mm -hmm. So I I have a friend who imports organic, natural, biodynamic Greek wine, and we set a tasting up, and they loved it. Sure, sure. They're in their early 30s, Mm -hmm. and that millennials, us, that's something we're into. I, I can't. You're into the biodynamic, biodynamic natural, natural wine. It being like a a priority. Okay. Um, I think that's somewhat true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, yeah. Tr- it's it's on trend right now. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I think it's, I think it's on trend of people who care about the wine world. I yeah. Think that, that are people that are reading about it, following it, things of that nature. 
Um, and I think there's uh, a trend of people that want to get in the wine world, but they're already into the organic food scene, things of that nature as right. well. And they kind of uh, kind of merge that into the wine world. Um, but I think there's still a large amount of young people that just want to drink wine and are willing to drink anything too. Sure. I mean, I'm willing to drink anything depending on the situation. Me so. too. Yeah, I don't have very high standards. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no. So you were saying. So but we were saying before about age being almost like a division mm-hmm. in trends. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want you to go more into that. Sure. So, you know, working at the wine library, it's not necessarily, you know, the regulars and seeing people that come into a restaurant on a small scale. The wine library, I mean, I'm seeing trends of, you know, thousands of people uh, ordering wine. And I, and I find that the younger generation now, the trend is more, I want to try a million different things. I want to be um, advanced. I watch the Psalm movie. I want to know about Italian wine. I want to know about French wine. I want to know about American wine. And I want to know about all the different things in the world because that's what's getting thrown at me through Netflix, YouTube, things of that nature. Right. Um, Esquire, they did the show. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah, they did sure. The- Esquire did the show with Morgan, who uh, I worked with at Cork Buzz. Uh, John Ross was on that show too, who was my original. And he, GM. These are Psalms, right? They're, these so are it, like it's they're both Psalm, masters. Now. It's okay. Psalm the master movie, Psalms, yeah. but as a TV show. Okay. Right, so right. like it's. It might also mm-hmm. still be just like four guys studying for their master sommelier, sure. but instead of like yeah. a two-hour doc, it's Could, like an eight-hour. Give, give me like fifteen seconds about what the master psalm test is. Uh, it's four levels: intro through master. Uh, it's just testing you on your ability to know uh, grapes, countries, regions, how grapes taste. Uh, it's definitely geared towards restaurants a little bit more because there is a service aspect. That right, you yeah. and and to become a master, it's it's a grueling exam. It's financially grueling. Absolutely. It's emotionally sure, grueling. Sure. It's not, physically grueling. I don't want people to think I'm a master because it's not yeah. my style anyway. But no, I we, am very we, familiar we, with it, working in it, and my closest friends in the industry, some are masters, uh, some boss. trained me in the in the wine tasting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. great. Um, also, it's a three-segment exam. It's uh, service, blind tasting, and uh, theory, which is general knowledge. Cool. I want to know more about blind tasting. Maybe we can get into that a little bit you know, Next later. Segment. Next segment, we'll yeah. talk about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Look at you teasing stuff. Uh, oh, no. Well, you know. <laughs> Shh. You're letting in the secrets of radio. <laughs> sure. Come on. You're for letting sure. people in on that. We planned all this. <laughs> anyway, so sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So what are you seeing? What, what big trends besides wanting to try uh, – Eight different white wines from Italy that you can't sure. pronounce. Sure. Like, I mean, I think, I think, like I said, people come to the wine library and come to us because we have such a wide selection. It's such a great store. We have our regulars that have been drinking the whole thing. But I find that, you know, in the older generations, when they come in, they would say, hey, I drink Chardonnay, and they want to try 20 different Chardonnays. That's great. You're going to be all over the place, but they're usually done around being buttery, oaky Chardonnays, whatever they want to be. Or if they're, you know, Sauvignon Blanc drinkers, they want to keep around minerality, Sancerre, things like that. Um, but the younger generation will come in and be like, hey, my wine fridge is empty. I need 20 whites and 20 reds. Oh, what do you like? I'm willing to drink anything. And I can walk around with that person and have an hour-long conversation about so many different wines and styles and stories and things of that nature. And they'll have an amazing time. Um, and I think that's something that the younger generation wants because we're always taking in information more than any other generation. We're always willing to try something. And I think that that's where trends come from. Like a trend sure. is not trend doesn't start when you go someplace and say, mm-hmm. I want to try a whole bunch of different Chardonnays. Sure. Trend says, you know, let's try something new. And then you see Absolutely. that over time develop into a mm-hmm. trend. So what, do you, what are you seeing for 2019? I, I see a lot of, um, oh, man, sparkling wine from France that's not champagne. Yeah, what, I mean, I, I, sparkling wine that's just not champagne. No, no, but in the, general, what's the word? Cremant. No, 
Champagne wine. Cre- no, it is Cremont. I'm sorry. Yeah, Cremont, yeah, yeah. Northern Cremont, Burgundy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Cremont literally means it's a sparkling wine from France. It's not champagne. That's not champagne. But it has not to be made champagne. in champagne method. It, yeah. it has to be uh-huh. champagne wine, but By not Yeah. Yep. So in it'll be Cremont de Bergogne, Cremont d'Alsace. Cremont de Lemoux. Yeah. Like, there's so many. Cremont de Loire. And, and okay. they are awesome. Yeah, they're great. I mean, champagne to me is the best wine in the world. Me too. And I can thank Laura <laughs> for that. I yeah. mean, I have a tattoo of champagne on my arm. Um, I'm addicted to champagne, and I love it. Uh, it tends to be expensive, though. I can't yeah. drink champagne all the time. But it's still, the style of it is so versatile for food. You can drink it with sushi. You can drink it with ceviche. But if you have a ribeye steak in front of you, you know, the acidity on champagne is so high, it goes well with What do I food. love with my champagne? Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Fried chicken, yeah. Fried chicken, chicken and champagne. That's a great book. And, yeah. I mean, there's when, a couple of restaurants in the city I know that, that are, doing, are yeah, they're only doing fried them. chicken and champagne, which is always yep. good Anything time. fried. Anything fried I'll, yeah. I'll have on my champagne. Sure. When Tom came to San Sacana, which was all sushi and uh, yeah, yeah. ceviche, I got you a bottle of uh, champagne. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, it's it's, it's the best wine in the world. Sam also came to San. I put together a tasting menu for him and his buddies. Nice. Yeah, for sure. We had a great time. So we got bubbles that are not champagne Mm -hmm. is a trend. Mm -hmm. Um, We were talking about natural wines. Sure, natural wines in younger generations, I think, is definitely a trend. What about orange wine? I see orange wine everywhere. Orange wine's everywhere. Um, Orange wine is a tough sell, though. I think it's a trend in restaurants. I think something like... Um, I was just talking about it earlier. When I was at Cork Buzz, people would see orange wine in the menu, and, and they ask, what is that? Um, but I can put an ounce in front of them, and they can find out what it is. Yeah. Um, I can't necessarily do that at the wine library. It's not something that's easy right. um, for promotional aspects and things of that nature to you know sell large amounts of wine. Orange wine is never in that realm just because it's such something that someone will read that, and they'll not want it because – it's not what they think. Flinty and sure, like tannic. yeah, like tannic white wine is weird. Yeah, yeah. We sure. the place I'm at now. There's no orange. It's a 300 wine list, all Italian, besides a couple of bottles of champagne. No, orange. no orange wine. And Italian orange is something that's, that's me, definitely a trend. Like to this, me though, that so. I'm not not saying this is gonna sound kind of negative though, but you should, Italian wine is where orange wine started. I yeah, mean, some right. of the best well, orange wine in the world yeah. is from from Italian wine. To have not have an Italian wine by the glass. That's how you build a following on Italian wine. You put it on yeah. there by the glass, and then sooner or later people are asking for it. Hey, I want a bottle of that orange wine that you guys have by the glass. Then you can put a couple on the menu. You can build that. Maybe not in the very beginning, but that's something you definitely yeah. trend out mm-hmm. and create that experience for someone I, in your restaurant. That's I think unique. it's something that can happen later, but I think right sure. now it's just like Baby they're, steps. they're doing so many things with mm-hmm. the, the menu because it's not Italian-American. Sure. It's Italian. It's straight Italian. Yeah. For sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're taking enough chances doing stuff like that. Where yeah. they um don't want to just overwhelm every and also like mm-hmm. the wines but the glass that they're pouring they are there's yeah. six whites three are like common mm-hmm. and three are very Italian yeah, yeah. I haven't been to a traditional Italian restaurant in a long time and yeah. actually I'm going to one in California in a, about two weeks so I'm super nice. so, super pumped for that well I, so I want to I'm quick we didn't really talk about this you know off air we mm-hmm. haven't planned so I'm gonna give you a quick little quiz give oh, me God. three trendy wines sure. that are and value so value trendy wines 20, sure. yeah sure $20 or less uh Coteron, 100% uh there's a winery called Roche Bleu who uh makes mainly grenache based wines they're completely biodynamic uh they're under $18 a bottle they're funky full bodied uh they're food wines i love funky um, wines yeah perfect second right. wine i'm going to go terrain sauvignon blanc Sancerre style wines at not a Sancerre price. I mean, from I where? 
terrain. So you have the Loire Valley okay. west to east, uh, Sancerre being on the east. Terrain is a couple towns west of Sancerre, a lot of the same soils. You can get a Sancerre-style wine, like I said, $12, $13 a bottle at that, you know, Sancerre-quality wine. Uh, last one I'm going to nail down, this is going to surprise a lot of people, is uh, California off the beaten path grapes. Not your Cabernets, not your Chardonnays, nothing like that. Grown. Grown varietals yeah. for sure. Um, you know, Syrahs, uh, even some Zinfandels. I had uh, Casey Labs Zinfandel recently. It's a 12% alcohol California wine, which is super wow. rare. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely that all-natural, uh, spicy, really peppery uh, Zinfandel that I had actually with Thanksgiving, and then I've probably had like six bottles since because I got addicted <laughs> to it. So nice. Great. Thank you. That's that's awesome. So, Mike, you're going to put all these on the blog, right? Yeah, I'm going to get all the links, all the wine library links yes. from Sam. Cool, awesome. cool. Great. Well, Sam, stick around. Uh, we're going to talk about blind tasting and uh, after sure. after this commercial break. You're listening to the Not A Foodie Show, Radio Rampa, 620 AM. Be back in a minute with Sam Doyle. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. We have Sam Doyle with us. Sam Doyle is a buyer for Wine Library. Mike and I have been talking about having Sam on for for months since the beginning of the, the radio show. And um, we've been talking about just different segments to, to, you know, to explore. And one of the things that Mike wanted to talk about is blind tasting and demystifying blind wine tasting. So, Mike, what, what, is, what is a blind wine tasting? A blind wine tasting is you you don't close your eyes, but you don't know what's in front of you. A, a glass of wine is in front of you, and now it's your job to determine what it is. But uh, you don't know. I mean, are you blindfolded? Do you know no, that No, you're it's... not blind. You just show up, and they are laid out, or they'll be in a bag, covered bag, and they'll be poured in front of you. So you know it's a red or a white. Yeah, or a rosé. Well, you don't really okay. get blind on rosé, but yeah. You, you So you can see yeah, the color it's, of it's the a, wine. It's a wine glass. You have to observe okay. the color, smell it, taste it. Mike um, just picked up picked and up a slammed, slammed a wine glass down on yeah. that thing. So, um, so, so, so Mike, what, what, why did you want to talk about it and why, oh, because, why do you want to demystify it? Because a lot of people think that uh, master psalms or like sommeliers are like super tasters. Right. 
And super tasters actually usually hate how alcohol tastes because they taste the actual alcohol Mm -hmm. or they tend to like sugary drink, sugary cocktails and stuff because they're they're super tasters. Okay. Do you consider yourself a super taster? No, I consider that I have a good palate. It's a different thing. You too. What about you, Sam? See, I wouldn't even super know because I haven't like been tested, a, but a, yeah. super taster is like a, a scientific thing. <laughs> a super taster it's is like a, a scientific thing. Yeah, it's like a scientific yeah. thing. Had, yeah, okay. I think um, I have a good palate. It's I a different thing, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm a good cook. I you yeah. know, I can tell mm-hmm. the differences between wines, but yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a super taster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, sommeliers aren't super tasters. They're detectives. They could be. <laughs> well, no, they super tasters right, hate right, the taste right, of alcohol. Right. So they're they're people that have practiced and studied and learned how to taste things. Okay. And when you're blind tasting, you're not determining what a wine is. You're determining what a wine isn't. And then by the process of eliminating what it's not, you you have an idea of what so, it is. So give me an be. example. Like how do how do you it, you're just crossing things off of a list as you So as, it's definitely it's, structured. It's not like it's you know, you're just saying this is this wine from this region, this Appalachian, and this year. And this okay. Year, right? Um, there's things that you have to hit. There's different flavor profiles. There's different uh, acidity levels, colors, uh, rim variations. There's things. It's definitely structured. Um, the whole point of it, though, is that you're tasting and you're thinking about what you're tasting. You're overthinking about what you're tasting because that's how sensory memory works. That's how you're going to remember the quality of wine. That's how you're going to know. A Sancerre is supposed to taste like this. Now, now is this a good Sancerre? Is this a bad Sancerre? That's kind of how blind tasting forces you to learn those those things. Okay. Um, so is blind tasting something that um, – have you guys had to do blind tastings before? Or like, yeah, is it yeah, something to sure. – it makes you for learn me, and think and – For me, blind tasting started when I was a busboy in a restaurant. Uh, John Ross is my general manager at Uproot in um, Warren Township, New Jersey. And I, I mean, I worked construction before this job, so nothing about wine. And uh, I hated wine, and he put eight glasses of, you know, red wine in front of me. I didn't know what they were. And he goes, taste all these and tell me what you don't like and what you like about it. And once he found out what I liked about it, I was able to hone into one glass of wine that I liked, uh, which I never thought I would like. And then from there, expanded myself out. Do you remember what it was? I have no idea what it was. (laughs) It it wasn't the point at that that level. Um, Right. But he was grooming me to learn about wine so that I could be a captain, things of that nature. Uh, working with Laura is definitely a scenario of everyone wants to be a sommelier that works at Cork Buzz, and everyone wants to compete for that. And blind tasting becomes a competition in a good way. I think I think that competition is everything. Um, I'm super competitive in my life with a lot of things, uh, especially sports and things of that nature. But uh, I think competing with the people that are all have the same goal uh, makes you better and work harder towards that goal. Okay, cool. So when you talk about when Mike, when you were talking about sort of demystifying blind tastings, you're talking about um, this sort of, I, I don't want to say it's it's an, e- maybe it is, it's an ego thing, right? Like where people go into blind tastings and, oh, I, I am the best blind taster in the world. Like that is not, what does it prove, I guess, is what I'm asking you. Does it prove that you are a bet, that you have a better palate than I do if you can do blind tastings or? Um, it, no. I don't I think, think so. You, <laughs> I, I I think it proves you have more knowledge. Sure. Okay. It's not like if you get what do you for the master sum they give you six. You you need to call all you need to call percentage right of all six. Yeah, you don't them. have to get them exactly right. It's yeah. a, it's a percentage. Right. The the whole point of to me yes is egotistical absolutely because you're tasting in a group of people and everyone's tasting the same wine and you want to get it right and and 
you know, you want to beat everyone else. But that's because your goal is to become a master SOM or, or pass the sommelier exam. There's nothing wrong with being egotistical if your ultimate goal is to uh, end up, you know, being the best taster in that group to be able to move on and, and further your career. Um, I think it's egotistical to get straight A's in college. It's egotistical, <laughs> you know, to be honest, like if you really want to be that way. I mean, they rank students in college for a reason. They want to see the best of the best, and they want to see who works the hardest to get there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but at a certain point, I think it does translate into the industry. I mean, blind tasting for me allowed me to understand all the structures of wine. So now when I'm tasting 100, 150 wines a week at the wine library, um, you know, I can analyze a little bit better and I can think about it a little bit better. I don't think I've blind tasted in probably six months or so, uh, which to me, normally it's a bunch of people come over to my house and they just put a glass of wine in front of me and try to make me do it. Um, but I mean, it does help. And I think it's something that, you know, creates a competitive nature in someone to further their career and become more successful in the future. Nice. Do you think you need to be a good blind taster to become a good sommelier? No. No, right? Because yeah. good sommeliers are, you know, yes. The community is great. Everyone loves each other. Everyone's willing to work with each other. But there's one thing and one thing only that matters, and that's Your sales. bottom line, yeah. Se yeah, it's selling wine. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, you know, with social media and everything that I'm doing, um, blind tasting in the SOM exam, it's self-branding. It's giving you a legitimacy. It's, it's making people believe in you as a person, and that is the most important thing because – you can be a master SOM, but if you don't have a job and you're not making sales, then what is the point of taking <laughs> mm -hmm. the exam? Well, I, yeah. yeah. I, I tell people, it's like, if I went to do it, I'd only want to go for level two because mm -hmm. I have no interest in being a master. Mm -hmm. And the only reason to get your advanced is mm -hmm. so you can become a master. Even when I worked with Laura, initially it was a thing of uh, getting my feet wet. At that point, I was just a captain in a restaurant at Elements in Princeton. Uh and I didn't know really where I was going with my career or anything. And I got a call that someone was opening a wine bar in New York and I kind of got into it. I really got into the wine scene. I loved every aspect, but I knew that being a master wasn't going to be my thing. I wanted to go back to New Jersey and do something cool and unique uh, and be one of the best wine professionals in the state of New Jersey. Um, but it wasn't about being a master SOM and it wasn't about being, uh, you know, at that level. It wasn't my style of, of mindset. Nice. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I, first of all, I think you've uh, you've enlightened me, which is great. Second of all, now I'm thinking about um, what sort of blind tastings I could do. I mean, not with wine. Barbecue like, sauces. I was going to say. Hot sauce. I was going to say, yeah, no, not. I, I mean, I can't do hot sauce. I, I can do, I can take the, the heat, but mm -hmm. like I'm more of a flavor profile guy. Sure, sure, sure. You know? I hear um, you. Coffee. Co I, Coffee. I'm thinking yeah. pork. Cuts pork? of pork. Yeah, I can tell you, I could tell you a cut of pork yeah. by by a little bite. Yeah. Absolutely, hundred percent. The texture. The I could tell you whether mm -hmm. it's a guanciale, it's from the jowl, it's from the you know what part or of the, the ham. It's from <laughs> bacon's easy. Bacon's easy. Call but I could, I could definitely yeah. do pork belly versus jowl. Sure. Uh, <laughs> this prosciutto is from Parma. This prosciutto is from mm -hmm. yes. I could Julio. do. A, I could definitely do a prosciutto de Parma versus yeah. like a ham on a beer of yeah, Like yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Um, sure. So. Good. So, so that, we, we need to set up uh, dueling tastings, wine and pork. That's, that's I mean, there's plenty of pairings that work well, so yes. can't go wrong. <laughs> we'll invite you back for it, too. So. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, man. That's great. <laughs> Sam, why don't you uh, tell everybody how they can find you on social media again? Yeah, so my uh, Instagram is at Samoman. 
Uh, that's where I kind of keep everyone up to date on, you know, wine tastings, beers, all the stuff that I'm doing within my career. Um, also on Twitter, uh, I have a Facebook page called The Bearded Wine Guy where I keep in touch with people, uh, helping them find wines that they like. I haven't asked me anything on there, uh, private classes, things of that nature that I roll on there as well. Um, other nice. than that, you know, talking to people and getting my name out there. It's, so know, stop by the wine do. library. Ask for Sam. Yeah. Tell him you heard him I'm on the our show. Goofiest guy there, so you yeah. can't miss me. Sam's Sam's a big dude with a big bushy beard, yeah. and that's who you look for when you go to wine library. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're gonna convince you to stick around for another segment. We're gonna have to, right? Yeah. Got to. Awesome. It's Knowing our no, if anyone who knows our last you, segment yeah. knows, oh, yeah, knows that we're gonna have him stay so uh you're listening to the not a foodie show on radio rampa 6 20 a.m we're gonna be back in a minute hey everyone it's tom from the not a foodie show are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience the not a foodie radio show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets for a free consultation or for more information email info at notafoodie.com that's info at notafoodie.com. You are listening to this broadcast. Chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. We are back with the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 6.20 a.m. Mike. Yep, it's that time. It's the time of the day. It's You got to put set, set your mind. It's late in the afternoon. Saturday. You just finished a long day of recording. A grueling radio show. And a podcast. And a podcast. Check out, wait for that. We're going to drop a podcast this week, too. <laughs> Sam, you're with us. Stay in the up? mindset. Always. Sam Doyle is with us from Wine Library. What are you drinking, Mike? A Juan Collins. A what? A Juan Collins. My birthday is in a couple of days. Happy pre-birthday? I like tequila. Uh-huh. I also really like Tom Collins for, like, nice weather. What is I've, a Juan Collins is a tequila Tom Collins. Yeah, but so you use you I take mean, out the gin and you put in tequila. Okay, so and I, then I add agave because tequila and agave. So it's tequila, agave, some lemon and lime muddled, little lemon and lime juice, ice, top it with soda. Nice, super refreshing. I'm. I drink it with a straw. I, I have never heard that, and I am like Tom really? Collins is my like it, that's my summer drink. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like I wanted to bring back the Tom Collins for years. Because it's definitely Collins. summer outside right yeah, now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> You've been picking all these like, warm drinks. Like, I'm picking I, yeah. a hot toddy, and he's like, oh, I'm going to have a margarita. <laughs> hey, I'm in. Yeah. I'm like, like, there are times I know I've dropped ones on you that you wouldn't know. 
This one, I'm like very surprised. I'm you've never... surprised at myself. I'm ashamed a little bit. You've definitely like drank at bars and with like a wine Collins on the menu and just didn't. I just probably yeah. just yeah said forget about it. Wow, mm-hmm. like yeah, no, that's I'm putting that in the bank for the summertime because you know my rule. I don't drink gin yeah. or well, I, <laughs> that's not gin, uh, but I don't drink drinks like that in the winter. And do it with agave. Yeah, agave just makes it instead of simple syrup. And I feel like I have made that myself, just not called it a Juan Collins. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's not like for a. Sure. No, it's not mind blowing. <laughs> I've just never like. Yeah, I've definitely made that myself. You, you definitely called it a tequila Tom Collins. I, <laughs> I just called it a Tom. Yeah. <laughs> this is there you go. There you go. It's a Tom Miale. <laughs> Sam, what are you drinking tonight? So this is the throwback to my guy uh, Jake at Cork Buzz bartender there. Awesome dude. Uh, I'm a Negroni freak, and yes. he came up with his own version, which was uh, Unipero, Grand Classico, and uh, Antico Formula. Ooh, one I love to one Antico. to one. But what's Unipero? That's um, it's gin. It's high proof. It's a high proof gin. Yep, high proof okay. gin. Is it Navy Strength gin? What's that? Is it Navy Strength gin? I have no idea what okay. that means. Navy, I just know it's, it's strong. Okay. I just know it's stronger. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he turned me on it, and and as we always say, it's the Mister Potato Head version of bartending. If, if the <laughs> Ingredients in a classic cocktail make sense. You can always just pop them out and put something else in. Well, like yeah. the Juan Collins. Like the Juan Collins. <laughs> the Juan Collins and the, what's the name of the Negroni drink? That, is it just a Negroni? It's just a Negroni that he made, made for me with... only, and I got addicted to it, and I drank it like crazy. And now what? every place I go, if they have Grand Classico, I drink it. What is, I'm not familiar with Grand Classico. Uh, it's like Amaro? a, yeah, it's like a sweeter Amaro. It's clear. Um, it's not as bitter as Campari. I think it's got a little bit more honey to it. A yeah, it's a little richness. sweeter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look it's, it. it's also a little. Uh, it I feel like the the mouthfeel. It's a little thicker. Yeah, it's heavier yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, no, I dig it. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, me, I, um, Mike. What's my rule about uh, drinking gin? You don't. I don't drink gin in the winter time, except at weddings. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> except when I'm having a uh, a classic martini, and I'm sure. going out for steak sure. tonight. So I am going to have one. a classic blue cheese martini. Olives? No, I hate no? blue cheese oh, olives. Oh, I love them. I yeah. can't stand Dumpster blue cheese olives. Dumpster dirty martinis are one of my favorite no, cocktails. See, I, like, I like the blue cheese floating really? in, the, in the gin. I, I, oh, I just don't I like having it. to make the bartender like do it. I like them crystal clear. Sorry, dude. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I just love I, that. I'll I tip more on that. Yeah, sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I know the... It's a pain. And you know what I am going to have, though? I'm going to have a a beef eater gin martini. You should get a Juan Collins, too. A beef eater is... Twister olives. Olives only. Odd number of olives. Very, very little bit of vermouth. Cool. This is not the official way to make a martini. Like, But this is my the way that I grew up. You know, and there are much better gins out there than sure. beef eater. Quick, quick story for our wedding. Um, when you know, years ago, we went to the venue and we said, you know, we need, we need Jägermeister for my <laughs> friends, and we need cases <laughs> of beef eater. And the guy was like, uh, you know, listen, we can get, we'll get you better gin than mm-hmm. beef eater. Like, no, you can have the better gin, right, but we right. need cases of beef eater because that's the gin that my family grew up yeah. like making. I mean, I time. I drink taste wine all the time and everything, but. The two things you can guarantee are in my apartment all time, and I drink at bars constantly, are Budweiser and Jack Daniels. Nice. That's what I grew up on. Yeah. I mean, I that's literally it. drink that more than anything else. So, <laughs> so tonight, <laughs> I'm going to have one of those, like, biting martinis oh, yeah. that, that has, nice. you know, very, very little vermouth. It's just awesome. basically drinking cold gin. Perfect. Which is great. So, <laughs> anyway, Sam, it's the end of the show. Thank you for... Uh, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being with us. 
We are looking forward to having you back. We're going to have you back I on the podcast. So, so you've been listening to the Not A Foodie Show Radio Rampa, 6.20 a.m.? At the Not A Foodie Show. No, it's at Not A Foodie no, Show. At Not A Foodie Show. At Not A Foodie this Show. You have to get it right at not a fo- Maybe if we do it enough. <laughs> at Not A Foodie Show, Instagram, Twitter, at Mike Maranti, at T. Miale. Go to our website, notafoodie.com, sign up for our mailing list, and we'll send you a cool sticker. Stickers are great. Stickers are awesome. And that's it. Enjoy your drinks. I'm happy you made it. This is really, really good.